The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is friday august 19th 2022 it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the ma fighting twitter spaces the show in its entirety will head to the ma fighting podcasting network so if you're listening there we appreciate it if you're live with us i appreciate it i am mike heck thank you for joining the program it is a free for all friday we're starting a little bit earlier today because we have a very busy day and We're a little short-staffed here at MMAfighting.com. AK is visiting beautiful Scotland right now on a vacation. Shaheen Alshadi is now a dad, so props to that man. So I'll be hosting the weigh-in show coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern. Then we get the preview show at 3 p.m. Eastern. There's a lot going on. And I know how much hosting the weigh-in show means to AK. So I have some gigantic shoes to fill in that regard but i wanted to still do this show no excuses baby doesn't matter what's going on we have to open up this space we have to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about and that's what we're going to do for the next hour or so so let us not waste any time let's get into this thing and we'll start with tristan gordett who tristan i i would have to say you might be a little bit disappointed on this on this friday morning on the eve of ufc 278 because you joined the show yesterday, and one of the things you asked about was Miranda Maverick, and now she's no longer fighting on yeah. Saturday. So, how do you feel about that, my man? Sucks. Miranda Maverick, you know, she said hopefully they can reschedule or she gets another fight. So, it is what it is. It's a weight cut issue. Shayna, I don't know what's, what's going on with that. So, um, this is a question I really wanted to ask you. Two questions I have. Um, first question which weight class division do we have more questions to than answers? I just want that. I want to know your thoughts on that because I was thinking about that this morning. And then um, another question I had, I was listening to Damn They Were Good with Jed Mishu. I think Sean Oshadi was on, Shaheen, and also Damon Martin was on there. And they were talking about, and I don't believe Shaheen was talking about an incredible story about the whole John Jones and D.C., um, off the air on ESPN, that was that was funny, but it was like it was you know it was it was crazy crazy times back then between those two. And I'm the thing is I'm thinking about Connor when he comes back, and he does and if he faces Charles Oliveira, assuming Charles Oliveira wins, 
And I'm saying to myself, how nasty is this going to get as far as the press conferences and things like that? And it's a catch-22 because for you guys at MMA Fighting, it's great, you know, because it's entertaining and stuff like that. But then it's like, at some point, you know, you're going to be there covering it and just it's going to get to the point, it's going to get crazy and wild where you're just like, Oh, you muted, Tristan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Just to finish up that point, just like, are you saying to yourself, Tom, we need Connor. Connor's entertaining and stuff like that. But you got to be saying to yourself, this is going to get personal again. This is going to get wild again. Who knows what insults Connor's going to come with and everything. But it is what it is. It's part of it. So I just want your thoughts on that landscape. We've seen ugly, ugly face-off and ugly back-and-forth banter, especially, you know, now Connor's back to who he is. We saw with the whole thing with Poirier, and he was Connor being Connor. So just your thoughts on those two questions that I have, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Everybody enjoy the fights this weekend, and that's all I got to say. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, look, Connor is the biggest star in the history of the sport. He has changed the way the sport operates in a lot of ways. He has the pro wrestling model down, although he takes it to a whole other level. But you just never know. Maybe maybe Connor has a <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of respect for Charles Oliveira. Maybe he comes back the way he did for the Donald Cerrone fight because Connor was like for the Cerrone fight and then the the second Dustin Poirier fight. Connor was like a different dude. Very nice. He was very friendly. Like I thought him and Cerrone were going to drink beers the night before the fight. They were that friendly. And then obviously Poirier beats Connor and Connor just tried to get that edge back that, that made him the star. Although things got a little ugly with the whole Poirier situation. So I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. Connor doesn't need to do that, but maybe, maybe there's, maybe a newer crop of fans who know who Connor is, saw what he did to get to the Floyd Mayweather fight, maybe on the back burner. But since the pandemic, a lot more fans have, have hopped on board the MMA train. And maybe a lot of the newer fans haven't seen a UFC card with Connor McGregor ever. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see when and, you know, at this point, if he does come back, I expect him to fight sometime next year. I don't know what's going to happen. I do believe that if Charles Oliveira beats his Makachev, Connor will have a very good chance of getting that fight. But Connor's got a lot of options right now. He's got a ton of options. And that kind of leads me to your first question. The division that has the most questions right now, to me, I mean, Bantamweight's kind of a mess because we have all these fights coming out and we need to really see how they all play out before... We could start matchmaking the division confidently. But to me, it's got to be lightweight. It's got to be lightweight because right now we don't have a champion. We don't have a champion. We have a matchup for the vacant title, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most this entire year, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. We don't have a champion right now. So, and then where's the division going to go depending on who wins that fight? Because <clears throat> like we said, Connor's coming back. Something tells me that Oliveira has Connor in his sights, especially with the fight being in Abu Dhabi. Because you could have this fight anywhere and it would have the same impact, in my opinion. Same interest, same intrigue, same questions about both guys. You could have done that fight anywhere and it would have been exactly the same. But now we're going sort of to, it's not Islam's hometown, so to speak, but he's going to be the favorite here amongst the people who are going to be in attendance. And if Islam wins, what do we do? Because we have a good mixture right now of guys who have fought for the belt, guys who are very exciting, guys who the fans are very much behind, like the Dustin Poirier's, the Michael Chandler's, the Justin Gaethje's. We also have Benil Dariush getting ready to fight Matush Gamrot. And then we have other up-and-comers in this division right now, like Sarukian. What's going on with Gregor Gillespie right now? We got Fazeev. We got even guys like Grant Dawson and Claudio Poyas who continue to win fights and have looked really impressive. So to me... The answer to most divisional questions is 155, but I have, 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 I have a lot of questions about how, what this division will 
look like in the next year? How does Connor factor in? What happens with the winner between Poirier and Chandler when that fight actually happens? From what I understand, MSG is not a done deal just yet for that fight. And as you saw, we just saw that Carlos Barza versus Zhang Wei Li, that title fight is set for UFC 281 and MSG. So where does that leave Chandler and Poirier? Does that card need that fight, especially if it's going to be five rounds? Do we want to do a, th- a three five-round fight card? Or do we just move it to December and then a five-rounder if, if, if it's needed there? So that fight will happen before the year is over. I'm pretty confident on that. The date is still up in the air. MSG is not 100% done. It could be December, the, the final pay-per-view of the year. So, yeah, to me, long story short, Lightweight has the most questions. Let's go to Christian. Christian, how are you? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, so I, I kind of want – I was thinking about um, the Shane Borga, uh, Burgos interview, and um, if I'm correct, I, I think somebody asked about it the other day, and you were saying that it kind of like it doesn't really have a big effect. It's not going to have a huge effect on UFC fighter pay or um, – is that is that where you're saying exactly? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't know if there's more to this, so I'll keep you on. But I I don't think this is going to be the thing that changes everything. Like Shane Burgos, I know the UFC and Dana White. Dana White very rarely admits that they screwed up and they made a mistake, but Dana has publicly said on multiple occasions that they screwed the pooch with the Shane Burgos thing. Um, but I don't think Shane's a great fighter. And he's super fun. He's obviously a fan-friendly performer. But I don't think... Like, Shane's not a big star. Shane's a great fighter. He's Any Shane Burgos fight on any card makes it better. There's just no doubt about it. But he's not a guy who's going to fight for a world title. He's not going to fight for the featherweight title. We're not going to see Shane Burgos versus Volkanovski anytime soon. So while Dana admits mistakes are made because he's a fan of Shane Burgos and his fighting style, I don't think... All of a sudden, oh no, we got to start paying these guys more right now. Otherwise, they're going to go to the PFL. They have 700 fighters on the roster. They just signed. They just signed five more fighters off the Contender Series, and I like Haley Cowan a lot. She's she's a fun fighter. She's got some good wins on her resume. But let's be honest, that was not, especially after what we saw the first week of the Contender Series this season. Haley Cowan would not have gotten a contract that week. She probably wouldn't have gotten one the second week, considering how the rest of the fights went. So I don't think, all in all, this is going to be the catalyst of change, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So this is what I was thinking. Um, don't, But don't you think that, like, because the – I guess because the – so the PFL, it's like the when they get guys like Shane Burgos – Aren't those guys like kind of the foundation of the UFC? Like, how many really are the Adesanyas and Ganus, the the top of the line? Like, most of them are going to be like Shane Burgos. That are, it's like those are the ones that fill up the ranks, right? And when when and the, like when somebody like Shane Burgos takes the big step of being able to just openly say like, "Hey, um, you know, I'm just evaluating my options, and I actually feel like the PFL was better for me," then aren't like all the other fighters eventually? You know, over time, you'll see more and more and more of these fighters that really make up kind of the, you know, the meat of the UFC, right? Aren't they going to, don't you think that it's going to, they're going to like um, see that, what Shane Burgos has done? And then I think, you know, taking a little further, when when all those fighters have like, like when those fighters start kind of moving, then that's when we'll see like um, somebody like Ngannou or whoever, like a big star that maybe is having kind of a dispute with the UFC, say, you know what, I'm going to take the big step. And I'm gonna be the com- become the star of the PFL, or I'm gonna you know, move. Um, just wondering what you think about that reasoning. Just trying to challenge you a little bit. So anyway, have a nice day. Thanks, man. Now, if Francis leaves and goes to the PFL, maybe I, I still don't think it's going to change a lot because I mean, maybe in the long run, like if we get Francis, like the big three right there, like if Francis, Adesanya, Usman, maybe Mazadal they all leave and go to the PFL, maybe we're dealing with something here. I just don't think, like, shoe face, like, Antonio Carlos Jr. has gotten, has found a lot of success in the PFL. He's found a lot of success. Is any UFC fan 
jumping on one of our shows, clamoring for a shoe face to come back to the UFC. And this is no disrespect to shoe face. Cause I like him a lot. He's a great fighter. And obviously he's found himself a home at the PFL and he's done very well over there, but no one's clamoring for him to come back. The UFC has Adesanya locked up long-term. Mazadal's locked up long-term. Usman's kind of a question mark because we just don't know how much longer he wants to fight. He has all these other things going on in his life. We got guys like Hamzat Shamayev who are on the way up. So there are stars potentially emerging right now. But again, like we need a lot of like big names. Like PFL's gotten a lot of big names, but most of them are either didn't have a lot of success in the UFC. Burgos is kind of a little bit different because he's just he's just a, a fun addition to any card. And the fight with Billy Q, I just I recommend everybody go back and watch that fight. Just watch it by itself. Don't watch the card in order. Just go watch Shane Burgos and Billy Q on ESPN Plus or Fight Pass. Pull up that fight by itself. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And when you put it in its, on its own island, it's a great fight. And this is a great move for Shane Burgos because looking at the state of that featherweight division, Shane can do very well over there. Shane could be a star for them. But he's also getting more opportunities at the PFL. Like he's going to be able to do some commentary, which I don't think he's in line to do with the UFC right now. So I think the Burgo situation is just a little bit different. But until like we get some massive names making that move, like if I'm Francis Ngannou, like I'm calling the PFL immediately if he becomes a free agent. Now, he misses out on the John Jones fight if he wants to do that because if money's going to be a big deal, obviously. The UFC is going to pay a lot of money to make sure that fight happens. There's no doubt about it. That's where the UFC wants to go. Now, if they can't get him, Francis... Is he going to be able to be okay with never fighting John Jones after this two-plus-year essential buildup to get there? I don't know. So every fighter, I think, is looking for something different right now. But, I mean, the PFL is definitely a player right now. They're definitely a player because they have money. They have this million-dollar opportunity. But they also make a lot of mistakes. And we're seeing it right now. This whole move, the entire tournament internationally and now the guy some of the guys who are favorites to win the million can't get visas to go over there that's a terrible move that was a dumb move and it costs guys some money and it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths so listen options are great i love having options bellator is an option pfl is an option even bkfc is an option and if you're guys like kevin lee or you know even rashad evans who have a name that still have a little bit of gas left in the tank you got Eagle FC as well. So there are opportunities. It's just what matters more. What weighs more? The UFC is a brand. Just look at some of the cards they put out on paper. They're not great to look at. Maybe they deliver and we get a UFC Vegas 59 and we have 10 finishes. But that still doesn't make it a great card. But it doesn't matter. The UFC is WrestleMania right now. I think pro wrestling stinks right now. There are some shows that are, I think Raw's been a little bit better. AEW had a good show on Wednesday. They've done some good things. But all in all, I think today's pro wrestling has been junk. It's been really bad. But every year, I watch WrestleMania. I don't care who's on it. I don't care who's wrestling on it. I don't care who the main event is. I'm watching it every year. WrestleMania alone is a sale for me. Just like newer MMA fans and most MMA fans, they don't care who's fighting. They just see the UFC on their television screen, and they're going to watch it. That's just how it is. Now, the further you get into the fanmanship, it gets a little bit different. But the UFC is not worried about the PFL. They're not worried about Bellator. They're not worried about Eagle FC or anybody else. They are crushing it right now. And maybe if they lose some of their big stars, maybe things – maybe we talk about it for a little while. But all in all, like, Anthony Pettis has had a rough go – we just saw what happened with Roy McDonald. A lot of the big names that they that they have brought over have not done very well. It's we'll see. It's it's maybe it makes an impact, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. And this is a great move for Shane Burgos. This is a great move for the PFL. But in a year from now, you know, maybe we're on a show and Shane is coming off a big win, and people are like you. You know, what if Shane was in the UFC now? But a year from now, so much will have happened that we're not even going to be really talking about this anymore. And I just think it's a good move overall for Shane. And I don't think, I don't think it impacts the UFC's business whatsoever. I think it's just a great move for Burgos at this point in his career because 
He's not going to be a champion in the UFC. He's just going to be a guy who, and I've talked about this a lot. You can make a great living being in the UFC, being a Nico Price or a Burgos or now even the Nate Landwehrs of the world, where every time you see them on a card, it's just going to be sweet. This guy's fun. This gal's fun. I can't wait to watch them. But at this point for Burgos, like, I don't really want to – like, he's still super fun. He's got a lot of talent. Just the wars that this man has been in. And I feel like with the PFL, he can get some more favorable matchups. He doesn't have to get into an all-out rumble every single fight. So I think for Shane in particular, this is a great move. But I don't think this, this puts a big dent in the UFC or it's going to all of a sudden – Dana White's going to show up at the press conference tomorrow after UFC 270 and be like, you know what? Shane leaving – we're going to triple everybody's fighter pay so no one else can go to the PFL. There's seven other fighters on the roster. There's still like six more weeks of the contender series left. They're going to sign 20 more fighters to 10 and 10 deals. Bo Nickel maybe a little more, but you know where I'm getting at here. The UFC's killing it. They're killing it right now. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Jay. Hey, what's up, Mike? Jay, how are you? Yes, sir. Hey, so um, I had two things to ask. One was, um, so I was reading the article on MMA Fighting about uh, Cedric Newman and how he was uh, apparently released from the UFC. But it turns out he just had a problem with, like, the France, I guess, like, their athletic commission over there. So, like, can you, like, give me more info on it? Like, do they want him to do, like, more amateur fights or do they want him to, like, fight in, like, maybe a France promotion for something before he gets into the UFC? Or, like, why are they holding him back for some reason? And my second point is that John Jones keeps hinting that he's going to make his return in December. So do you do you think it's actually close to a done deal or do you think there's still like talks and works on that? So thanks, Mike, for everything. Have a heck of a morning, man. Thanks, man. So to address the second question, John Jones and done deal is a sentence. Th- those are phrases you don't use in the same sentence all that often. There's just too much happening with this man. And it's getting to the point where I've been very positive. I've been very confident we will see John Jones fight this year. But I'm getting to the point where until I actually see this man step inside of an octagon, I'm just not buying it. So, But again, I think 
Francis Ngannou is the key to all of this because Francis has talked multiple times about healing up a little bit quicker than expected, right? And he's talked about maybe fighting at the end of the year. He's talked about maybe fighting early next year. So I think in the UFC's eyes, they're trying to get the road to Ngannou Jones as quickly as possible. I think the UFC is going to go all in on that. And if they can't get it, then they could do Jones versus Stipe. So maybe he comes back in December. I ain't all that confident in it. But I, I, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll see John Jones fight before the end of the year. But I feel like his return is imminent. It's just a matter of who he's going to fight. And that's the more sort of confusing part of this, of this conversation, the, the missing piece. Is Ngannou going to re-sign with the UFC? Is Ngannou going to be able to come back in December or January? If not, the UFC can move on and do the interim title or do a vacant title with Jones and Stipe. But it's a weird situation because this is another division that has a lot of questions because we essentially have this little mini tournament going on with Blades and Aspinall, and we, it sucked how that all ended. We got Cyril Gaon-Uvasa coming up in a couple of weeks on that Paris card and we have Romanov who I think is just going to be an absolute killer. Pavlovich just got a big win over Derek Lewis. I mean, I want, I want this to move forward because I'm excited about, I'm excited about this division. I'm more excited about heavyweight right now than I have been in a long time because we have the Aspinalls and the Blades and the Tui Vases and the Gons and the Romanovs who I think will fight for a title within the next two years. I I'm, I'm that high on him. We'll see what happens. But I want John Jones to fight. I want this heavyweight championship picture to be clear. I need answers because I just want to see some of these other matchups, some of these other players getting their opportunities to fight for titles. On the first question with the Doombay thing, I don't have a ton of insight. I will have you know, and I've said this a million times, if we reported it on, on MMAfighting.com, then it's true. That's all I'll say about that. What this seems like to me is that whatever issues this guy has right now, that he needs to clear them up. And once he does, I think the UFC will give him a shot. I don't think his, I don't think he'll, it's, it's a, it's a situation where he's never going to fight in the UFC. I just feel like what's the point of bringing, like putting him on the Paris card makes all the sense in the world. That's a great place to debut him, obviously, but now he can't fight on the card. Like, where are you going to put him? So just let him kind of roam free. I think discussions will happen between the UFC and his team. And once he gets all of his issues cleared up, I think he will fight. But right now, he is not under UFC contract from all accounts. We reported it. And if we reported it, we've done our homework. We're not just throwing things up into the world. We've done our homework. And... Right now, he is not a UFC fighter. He's just not. He can say whatever he wants and deny certain things, but he's not a UFC fighter right now. Doesn't mean he won't fight in the next, you know, six to eight months, but right now, he's not a UFC fighter. And that's okay. He'll get his chance. He's just going to clear up what he needs to clear up. That's what it sounds like to me. Once he gets the issues cleared up, they'll probably re-sign him and put him on a card. Like, if they go back to Paris, I would be stunned if he's not on it. Let's go to Vinny. Vinny, are you there? Hey, Unmute, buddy. Hey, Mike. There we go. I got you. Mike, how are you, Mike? Hey, just wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, your 11 o'clock uh, or the weigh-in show, is that going to be on your BT channel? It'll be on our YouTube channel, yeah. The YouTube BT channel, right? Because I was trying to look for it yesterday, but I couldn't get into it. I don't know if I was looking under the wrong... It'll be the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. MMA Fighting YouTube. MMA Fighting what? YouTube channel? Our YouTube channel. It'll be live on that. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Easy. No problem. It's an easy one today. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yes. 11 a.m. Eastern, about an hour and six minutes from right now. We might even go live a little bit earlier, but um, yes, we will have your weigh-ins. Jose is on site. Billy, Mike, Casey, and Jose chiming in from time to time. Let's go to Michelle. 
Hello. Yes, I just I don't know if you talk about this already, but I've been seeing um that Masvidal versus Gilbert Burns is verbally agreed for December or the January twenty third card, which I believe is in Brazil. And I'm interested for that fight because I feel that it's a good stylistic matchup for uh, Masvidal, as I've seen that he struggled with wrestlers, mainly Usman and Colby, in the last couple of fights. But I also agree, like, if if he does lose this fight, it's probably four, four losses on the spin and it might be in a difficult position. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on that matchup and what, it might, what might happen to Masvidal if he loses this fight. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, yes, I... I haven't watched the interview yet. Uh, in fact, I'm going to send a text about this right now and maybe we'll get some answers. Um, but hold on one second. See, this is what we do when we're live on the air. Sometimes we have to ask questions and it's not like I'm doing this off a laptop, which I wish Twitter spaces would do that. We could just do it off to uh, do it off a computer. But maybe maybe I'll get some answers here. Hold on one second. Sorry. <laughs> to me, and listen. So I'll send the text. Maybe we'll get some answers. To me, this is I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I just interviewed Mazadal like a week ago. Okay. So I'm told from a source. Just got back to me real quick. Uh, that is not true. Maybe, maybe Burns is maybe the UFC and here's the, like verbal agreements. It just depends on how you contextualize it, right? Because you can go on Twitter and be like, Hey, I can, New York Rick's here. I could be like, Hey, New York Rick, let's fight in the UFC. And New York Rick could be like, okay. And like, to, to me, that's like, oh yeah, me and New York Rick are fighting in the UFC. We both verbally agree to it. That ain't, that, that's not what a verbal agreement is. A verbal agreement is the UFC matchmaker, Hunter Campbell, somebody high up calls you on the phone and says, hey, do you want to fight this guy on this day? Yes. Okay, great. I'll get back to you. Then they call the other guy. Hey, do you want to fight this guy on this date? Yes. Okay, I'll get back to you. Then we have a date. How does this date work? Cool. How does this date work? Cool. All right, we're in, we're in agreement. That's verbal agreement. Verbal agreement is the UFC reached out to you and said, hey, we are fighting you're going to fight this guy on this date, on this date. Both sides have agreed. They just haven't put pen to paper yet. Verbal agreements. When, when you see headlines on MMA fighting, this guy versus this guy in the works. This guy versus this guy or this gal versus this gal targeted for. It means that this is what the UFC wants. Both sides are in. They just haven't signed the contract yet. Maybe Burns is just, maybe this is what Gilbert Burns is saying. We both verbally agreed to it on Twitter, but that doesn't mean anything. I just interviewed Mazadal two weeks ago, and he thinks Gilbert makes sense. He thinks Connor makes sense. And what if Leon Edwards beats Kamara Usman? And what if they run it back and he wins again? Guess what fight they're going to make? They're going to make Leon versus Mazadal in England for the title. There's no doubt about it. They're going to go back to that three piece of the soda thing so fast. To try to sell that fight. And people will moan and groan about it and complain. But everyone's going to watch it because Mazal is a star. And the fight makes sense. But I don't think there's... I, I don't think there's... I think there's interest there. But I don't think there's... There might be like a tad bit, bit of smoke. But there's no fire to it at all. Um, and plus Mazal's trial hasn't even started yet. It's supposed to start at the end of the month. We don't even know what's going to happen with this whole thing, with the allegations, with Colby and all this stuff. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. So to say that this fight is something you should mark on your calendars would be way too premature. And I think Burns is – I think Burns might be a little bit misinformed here. Or maybe he's just looking at, quote-unquote, verbal agreements in a different sense. Um, but I just sent a text about it uh, from someone who is absolutely going to know – and from what I am told, uh, there is no truth to that. There's no verbal, official verbal agreement in place, at least on one side. Maybe on the other side they do, but not on, not on one side, I can assure you, because this person has never stirred me wrong. So, I mean, it would be a cool fight, but there's just too much going on now to 
put a date on it. Mazadal's hoping he can get back at the end of the year, but he's not sure. Could be early next year. And if Islam Makachev beats Charles Oliveira, they could very well go to go to the Connor Mazadal fight. That's a massive fight. So way too premature. So see, see what happens when you join this space. You ask questions. I try to get you answers, and we've done so right here. Let's go to Juicy Bet, and then we'll go to Wahid, and then we'll go to uh, Average Avenues. Juicy Bet, are you there? I'm here. Thanks What's for having up? me on, man. Um, yeah, I got a couple of questions um, specifically around the Aldo Dvalish Philly uh, betting lines, and kind of want to want to get your take. I mean. Um, you know, we saw the lines kind of open up with Aldo, like minus 170. It's flipped. A lot of sharp money came in on Marab. And now, you know, if you're following like social media, you're seeing guys like Drake and Adesanya post like their, their massive betting slips on Aldo. And um, just wanted to get your opinion on like, you know, now that betting is so much more, uh, you know, so much more sort of in our face when we're watching these pay-per-views. What do you think of, of you, know, you know, seeing these kind of influencers post their slips before the fight and kind of how that influences. I mean, just just so you know, like Stake.com right now is offering a 3x payout if Aldo wins uh, inside the distance, which, uh, you know, and then you're seeing guys that they sponsor like Trey and Adesanya post their betting slips for, for Aldo. So very curious to kind of get your take on that. I mean, um, you know, it seems like betting, you know, betting on MMA is – is obviously, um, you know, getting more and more popular and, and, you know, getting guys like Drake to post that stuff. I mean, you can imagine how much public money is coming in on Aldo. So just wanted to get your take and any opinion you have on that, whether it's good or bad for the sport. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, getting the sports betting community on board is massive. It's massive. Look at the, look at the impact fantasy football has had on the NFL because nobody on earth unless you're from these areas are going to watch the freaking Chicago bears play the Cleveland Browns. No one wants to watch those games. Nobody cares. And I'm not talking about now I'm talking about like through the history, like the last 20 years of the NFL, the Cleveland Browns have been like stinky, like real stinky, real bad, like the laughing stock of the league. But when you play fantasy football, you're like, you know what? I got the wide receiver for the Browns. I got freaking, you know, whoever, I get somebody from the Browns. I'm, I'm going to watch the Red Zone channel. I'm going to watch this game because I'm down 15 points. Now I'm going to watch it. And I feel like with some of these cards that the UFC puts, like some of these fight night cards that aren't that great on paper, betting just makes it so much better. Now, there is some interesting parallels to this when you have fighters betting and you have, which I'm totally fine with, by the way. Um, we obviously have betting content on our website that people seem to dig. Uh, like Drake, sometimes sometimes you you have guys like Drake, and the Drake's luck has turned around. But Drake had the the dreaded Drake curse for a while, where he make these big bets on fighters, and they would I mean just regularly lose, like really badly. So it got to the point where just like anytime Drake bet on something, people just go against him because that was the swing of things. Um, but the betting lines on this has been real interesting. Jose Aldo. That line just continues to move on DraftKings. Jose Aldo, a plus one fifteen dog. That's ten. It's ten points more than it was yesterday. There is a ton of value on Jose Aldo at plus one fifteen. If Jose Aldo is a minus one twenty five, there's a ton of value there too. I think this matchup. I think Aldo matches up really, really well with Marab. What's gonna be in a. I'll dive into this a little bit more in the preview show, but this is how I see this fight playing out, and I'll try to make this as short as possible. I think Jose Aldo is going to beat the hell out of Marab Duelish, really, for the first eight or nine minutes of this fight. I think Marab is going to try to take Jose Aldo down, and he is going to pay dearly for it. And if Marab can survive getting cracked, because gold, as good as Marab is and as energetic as he is and how much he tries to go for these takedowns, how ruthless he can be in that aspect, how aggressive of a grappler he is. He is very hittable. Very hittable. Mario Moraes almost put his lights out. And if that fight was stopped, no one would have complained about it. But it didn't. Marab came back, got a good comeback win. Jose is going to piece him up in my eyes for a while. Jose's got incredible takedown defense. He's the much better striker. Like, this isn't even close. 
And Marab can crack a little bit. He's a little, he gets a little, gets a little wild in there. He's not your typical technical striker by any stretch of the imagination. But Jose Aldo is, and he can crack. This guy hits real hard. So how I think this fight's going to play out is that Aldo is going to defend takedowns for most of the fight. Maybe the end of the second round, Marab lands a takedown, maybe lands a couple of punches before the horn sounds. And then I feel like Jose Aldo fans are going to sweat it out in that third round because I think Marab is going to take some of that momentum into the third round. Eventually, he's going to get Aldo to the ground. Aldo is going to probably be huffing and puffing a little bit. I don't think the elevation is going to play a huge factor in this fight, but I think it plays a tiny one. And if it affects anybody, it's going to affect Jose Aldo, especially if Marab continues to chain takedown defenses together. If he gets Aldo to the ground a couple of times and he has to try to work his way back to his feet, I think that's going to play some, I think that's going to play a little bit of a role in this fight. But I think Aldo's going to hang on. As long as he doesn't get finished, I think he wins this fight. Um, I think he wins. I think he wins, and I think I think Jose fans are going to sweat it out a little bit. And I think in the end, we're going to be screaming two things. One, Jose Aldo should be fighting for the title right now. His next fight should be for the belt. And two, Marab Dwalishvili is a problem. And give this guy a little more seasoning and a few more fights, and he's going to be right back. I think stocks, both stocks will rise. I think Aldo just matches up really well here. And I think Marab being as hittable as he is leaving himself as open to strikes and counters as he, as he is in these fights. I think this is going to play a huge impact in this fight. I think that's the biggest difference maker here. I don't think it's the Marab and the takedowns. I think it's Rob durable enough to get through a tough first half of this fight. And I do feel like Marab's going to have moments down the stretch. And I think it will be a little scary for Aldo fans and Aldo betters, but I think Aldo's going to win. And there's a very good chance Aldo gets him out of there in the first two rounds. But if Marab can get to the third, I think, I think it's going to get interesting. But I think Aldo will hold on to, to win a decision in a, in a fun fight. I know on No Bets Bard, Jed and GC were both saying, when this fight's over, you're going to feel like you made the easiest bet possible. I don't think so. I think this is one that both sides are going to be sweating out. But I can't wait for this fight. It's the, it's, uh, it's the Intercontinental title fight on this card. All right, Ahid. We got about 20 more minutes. Ahid, how are you? Uh, Indeed. So, Mike, I've got your next headline for heck of a morning. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's go. Every time you say that, we don't use it, but go ahead. Oh, my goodness, Mike. Come on. Uh, but, like, okay, so the headline is as follows. Is there deep-rooted corruption between the UFC and the fighters' managers? The reason why I'm saying this shit is because... Um, Luke, like, you know my stance on fighter pay. Like, I think uh, everyone's being a bit whiny about it. It's the UFC's own company. But Luke Rockhold said something that was interesting. Um, he said that the UFC and certain managers of fighters that manage a large amount of fighters, um, they're like the UFC and the manager managers are colluding together so that the managers like uh, manipulate the fighters to like accept low pay and in return the UFC like will have a good relationship with the managers and maybe even get money and where it gets super interesting is there's an older there's a former UFC fighter called Nathan Quarry and he's involved in a class action lawsuit against the UFC and he tweeted out in response to Rockhold that um, the, it, it, during that lawsuit, it was disclosed that there were actually emails between the UFC and the managers where, like, it basically proved Luke right. So, like, is, is there corruption? That, that's something super interesting. And then with Aldo and Davalishvili, I, also, I agree. I think Aldo's going to win. Um, but Aldo messed up. He said he was going to take a fight in Brazil for the title. Who's going to go, like, who, whoever the champion is, why would they go to Brazil? Um, and then he said he's going to retire. That was the dumbest thing he could have ever done. Why would the UFC ever give it to him? And lastly, Luke Rockhold, he's pushing 40 and giving little high school insults to Paolo Costa. It's ridiculous. But that's all I've got for you today, Mike. Thank you, buddy. 
Interesting questions. I see where you're coming from. I don't know if I don't know if corruption is is the right word, but I, I get where you're coming from. There's certainly there's certainly some favors. I don't know if it's corruption, but I mean, listen, the, the UFC has great relationships with certain managers. It's it's clear. You can see it. You can see how certain managers talk about Dana on social media. Can you know all these things? Like it, it's clear that there there's something to the point where if you have a good if a manager has a good relationship with the UFC, it pays off better. Like maybe I I, I don't know. Like I haven't seen the contracts. Like there are people who are covering the lawsuit and and fighter pay and. And contracts that the UFC puts out way better than I ever will. So I would suggest you go to them. But look, I've, I've been covering the sport for, for a while. And there are some managers that have great relationships with the UFC. And there are other managers who don't have great relationships with the UFC. It's out there. It's public knowledge. I don't know if corruption is the right word. But some managers and their rosters get treated a little bit better. And, and that's it. We've seen certain management teams you know, bring up a lot of, a lot of talents, short notice fights. You see, but it's spread out a little bit more too. Like if you really dig into it, um, we're seeing short notice opportunity fighters coming from not just like one or two camps. We're seeing them come from multiple camps as well. So there are certainly some managers who have great relationships with the UFC better than others. And there are some who don't have great relationships with the UFC. Um, But I, I totally get where you're coming from. I don't know if I'm the guy to really, break down the contracts and you know the legal ramifications behind it i'm 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 on honest enough to know about myself to know like what i'm knowledgeable with and what i am not that is something that i'm not knowledgeable with uh but there are people you know john nash uh eric the uh, i forget his last name graken uh there's 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 plenty of people who cover this really really well and have way more knowledge about it than i do um but i get where you're coming from i don't know if Maybe there is corruption. I don't know. I just don't know enough about it to to feel confident to say that word and 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 feel like there's there's truth to it. But maybe there is. I know people who believe there is. Um, people who know more about the business side than I do. But I just don't have enough. I don't have enough pieces to this puzzle in front of me to to be able to say that confidently. But yeah. Mayonnaise, Face McFlanagan, then Average, we're going to you next. Mayonnaise, how Good, are you? Mike, how are you? Good. Shoot, I should have been uh, thinking about a question. Um, okay, how about this? The press conference, um, I think I agree with that other guy, what he was just saying. Luke, Luke Rockhold throwing around little baby insults, but honestly, who could be more annoying than Kamaru? Uh, that's my only comment, I suppose. Have a good day, Mike. Sorry, I don't have more prepared. It's all good, man. Yeah, the presser was. I didn't. I didn't watch a lot of the presser. I watched a few minutes. I wanted to like if it started right on time, which I never. I don't even know why I go in preparing for these things to start on time because I never ever do. This one seemed like it took a really long time to get rolling. And Rockhold, from what I watched, I watched like the first exchange between Rockhold and Casa, and Rockhold was trying to get some pops from the crowd. But there were certain things that he said that got a, got, a, got a reaction. Maybe not quite what he was looking for, but got a reaction. And then there were certain things he said that was like crickets. And I, I've said this in the radio industry before because I've worked with very talented people who like would co-host our morning show. And they thought they were like the funniest person in the world. And they would say things into a live microphone that they thought were hilarious. And it was just stunned silence and i remember when my the guy who hosted the morning show would play back the clip for me and the joke was said and the reaction was nothing and i remember i looked at him in his eyes and i said oh boy that is a reaction that i would never want to hear that's a sound that i never want to hear when i say something at all that has that is meant to give off any sort of emotion crickets is a is a rough thing and there were certain times where 
where Luke said some things that got no reaction from the crowd at all. Paul Costa, I thought, handled it pretty well. That fight, <laughs> that fight is way more interesting than it should be. But it is super interesting. I'm fascinated by it. I have no idea what's going to happen. I feel like Paul Costa is going to knock out Luke Rockhold at some point in the first round. But I also understand how aggressive Luke Rockhold is if a fight gets to the ground and he gets on top. That dude is a bad, bad dude when he is in top position on the ground. And if it gets there, Paul Costa is in big trouble. But can Luke get there? Can that chin hold up with the strikes of Paul Costa? I just don't know. And it's one of those things that I'm going to have to see it before I can believe it. But we could be talking in the next 48 hours about a, a world where Luke Rockhold is the number one contender for the UFC middleweight title. Isn't that insane? Like if Luke Rockhold goes out there and just bolts Paulo Costa tomorrow night and Israel Adesanya beats Alex Pereira, that's the fight. And it's crazy to say that into a live headphone microphone. But that's the world we are going to be living in, ladies and gentlemen. If Luke Rockhold beats Paulo Costa, despite everything he has said about the UFC, and Israel Adesanya beats Alex Pereira, that is the fight. It's insane to say that out loud, but that is the world we live in. Yep. All right. Average Avenues 11. Yes. How are you? Very well. Very well. Um, just two quick ones. Um, what, what would be next for Dominic Reyes if he loses his next matchup? And secondly, your thoughts on the Robbie Lawler and Ponsonibio fight. Okay, thanks. And, yeah, I'm back in Jose Otto as well, so it should be fun. Cheers. All right, thank you. If Dominic Reyes loses to Ryan Spann, I don't know, man. That's a good question. My, my, my fight suggestion was way better, by the way. I suggested that Dustin Jacoby should be fighting Dominic Reyes. Because I just feel like you got. I feel like the UFC has more there with Dom, with with the, with Dustin Jacoby, Jacoby second stint with the UFC, looking good, unbeaten since returning. The dude had to get a contract off the Contender series, which is insane. And I just think it was a win-win type of situation. Like it's a a matchup that Reyes should win, but if he loses, you have a great story backing it. Uh, I think Dominic Reyes should beat Ryan Span. I think this is, he has a very good chance to do so, but I have a lot of questions, obviously, because he's been brutally knocked out in his last couple of fights. I don't know how one bounces back from the absolute devastation Yuri Prohashka put on him, but let's not forget, that fight was incredible, and Dominic Reyes had Yuri Prohashka in a whole heap of trouble before he got spinning back elbow to death, essentially. Uh, so I think Reyes should win. I think it's the perfect kind of bounce-back fight. If he loses... I don't know, man. I don't know. He's going to have to take a big step back. But who knows where his head's going to be at if he loses to Ryan Spann at Madison Square Garden after all this time away? It's a good question. It's one of those things you're just going to have to wait and see. Like, if he loses, how does he lose? I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough one. It's definitely a tough one. All right, we'll take a few more. i got about 10 minutes to go. Julio. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. So I asked this question last week when the stream lagged, so I didn't get a chance to hear what you said. Just a little fun, silly question. So we all make make decisions, right? Hard decisions, and we have that angel and that devil on our on our shoulder <laughs> telling us what to do and what not to do. With current USC fighters, who would you say is your voice of reason and the and the devil on your shoulder telling you what not to do or you shouldn't do? <laughs> Oh, yes, I remember this question now. Um, I think my answer was Frankie Edgar would be the angel. I feel like Frankie would always guide me in the right direction when it comes to career, when it comes to side hustles, when it comes to taking things very seriously and giving them your all, um, having integrity, all of those things. The devil, oh, man. I mean, it's got to be John Jones, right? <laughs> it's the first one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, John Jones. 
Let's go to Karzai. We'll go to Viking MMA, and then we'll go to Beal, and then we're going to get out of here. Karzai, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How's you guys? Good. Yeah, I just have one question. I am... I just wanna know is that can be back to UFC fight or no? Thanks. Wait, say that again. Khabib. Is Habib gonna fight again? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um no, I don't think so. I'd like to see him in Oliveira, just like the fan in me, the the purist in me. But I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think Habib is a man of principle. I think he's very happy doing what he's doing right now. He's making a lot of money. He's getting, still getting a lot of sponsorship deals. He's got his own MMA promotion. He's got a lot of fighters in his stable who are doing great things. Islam Makachev, multiple Nurmagomedovs. Usman Nurmagomedov, in my opinion, will be the Bellator lightweight champion by the end of the year because I think he's going to beat Patricky Pitbull. The man, is, the man is very busy. So I don't think he's going to come back and fight. I, don't, I, just, I just don't see anything that will entice him. Like even if Oliveira wins like five more fights in a row, I just don't see I just don't see him because of why he retired, I just don't think he comes back. I think with something like that and a guy like Habib, I just I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens. If if it does happen, I ain't gonna complain about it. That's for damn sure. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Let's go we're gonna go to Viking MMA. Viking, hello. How are you? Tonight, BTL, great show, great issue <laughs> with the great knowledge. I mean, I just want to see you and him fighting for the title. You know, the Jedmish Chandler, his new name, Jedmish Chandler. Again. <laughs> Mm. Mm. You name him Jedmish Usman, and I'm gonna name him Jedmish Chandler because that was amazing promo. Mm. Mm. Let me, and I'm not follow, I'm not following Kamar Usman anywhere else. So I'm just not able to understand that why everyone is mocking him about t-shirt, t-shirt thing. What is that t-shirt thing everyone is talking about? And my other question is. Could Henry Saudo beat um, Umar Nurmagomedov if they fight? Thank you, Mike. Love you, brother. Thanks, buddy. Um, honestly, I don't really know much about the t-shirt thing. If we're being honest, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't really know. That's a good question. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. Could Umar Nurmagomedov beat Henry Cejudo? Yes. Could Henry Cejudo beat Umar Nurmagomedov? Yes. Unfortunately, that fight's not going to happen for multiple reasons, but it'd be interesting. I'd love to see it. Who knows? If Cejudo does fight somebody else, fights Cheeto or fights whoever, and then fights for the belt and wins, and Umar moves his way up, then it could happen, but... It certainly isn't a fight we're going to see right now, but I, I would give Umar a, a, a good chance to win, and Cejudo's freaking Cejudo. I mean, the guy, no matter how you feel about the man, the dude can fight his ass off, and he's really, really good. All right, let's go to Beal, and we'll go to Four Corner Sports, and we'll see if we have time for any more. Beal, how are good. you? How are you, Mike? Good, buddy. Uh, so... I think uh, just to touch on the Kamaru Usman shirt, the shirt thing, I think uh, it's, they're just making fun of him because he's not wearing shirts underneath his clothes. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Which is kind of like, you know, if I had that physique, I'd be doing the same shit. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, but my question is, so I think one of the funnier things to come out of this Paulo Costa-Luke Rockhold fight is the friendship between Patty and... Uh, and Paulo, uh, and with that being said, what other what middleweight lightweight combo would you like to see them have a tag team fight with? Uh, thanks, Mike. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the fights and a heck of a morning. Golly, oh man, that's a great question. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.